Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming, action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. The Richmond Film Network's Screenwriters Lab is an opportunity for writers to improve their craft. Writers submit their scripts and get feedback from peers. Two scripts are selected per workshop, and anybody may participate. The next Screenwriters Lab event is July 26th, and there'll be a link to register on the webpage for this show at tvjerry.com. I performed with Frank Sinatra, and a very dramatic thing happened. He collapsed that night in that arena in Richmond, and he was in the middle of my way, and I was in the wings, and he went down, boom, you know, and I, oh, I ran out on the stage. I noticed his lips weren't blue, so I think it can't be a heart attack. That was famous comic Tom Dreesen talking about the night he witnessed Frank Sinatra pass out during a concert here at the mosque, now the Altria. He joins former comedy partner Tim Reed, who's bringing Tom to town on July 15th for a fundraiser benefiting the Legacy Media Institute. They formed Tim and Tom, America's first black-white comedy duo in the 60s. Later on, Tim Reed is probably best known as Venus Flytrap on the hit sitcom WKRP in Cincinnati, but he and his wife Daphne Maxwell Reed have lived in Virginia for many years. After Tom and Tim split up, Tom went on to a career that included more than 500 TV appearances and numerous tours, including 13 years as the opening act for Frank Sinatra. He's coming to Richmond on July 15th as a fundraiser for the Reed's Legacy Media Institute, and the show is called The Man Who Made Sinatra Laugh. But in our interview, we covered lots of other stuff. Sifter Review of the Week. Taylor Mack's 24-decade history of popular music on Max. We first discovered Taylor Mack when he performed at the University of Richmond several years ago, and we loved the straight-laced and probably straight walkouts at his outrageousness. We also saw a display at the Museum of Art and Design in New York of the incredible costumes that Judy that's the pronoun he prefers, War for this show in 2016. It's a 24-hour performance art concert that features a popular song from every decade, often reframed through a modern lens. The way Mac makes those observations fabulous is simply brilliant. Judy does wear drag, not to look like a woman, but as a metaphor for the theme of the current segment. The show starts with a 24-piece ensemble, and every hour, one member leaves the stage until Judy's alone for the final song. It features delightful surprises and a few moments of touching tenderness. There's also audience interaction in the theater and on stage. Even though this is a recording of the actual event, it superbly captures the magic, wonder, hilarity, and outrage of this dazzling and important artist. I gave Taylor Mac's 24-decade history of popular music five out of five stars. Tim and Tom, thank you both for coming on the show. Now, Tim, first I want to ask you, because, of course, you were a Virginian native, born in Norfolk and Chesapeake. When did you figure out, hey, maybe I'm going to be an actor? Well, we were, you know, Tom and I were struggling, trying to earn money on the comedy circuit. It was a very small circuit at that time. Got an agent for commercials and started doing commercials. And eventually I uh, was in a, a film. Now, Tom, were you a class clown when you were a kid? Did you make people laugh then? Or when did you discover, hey, I got a talent for this? As a little boy, shining shoes in all the taverns in my neighborhood, the last tavern I'd go to was my mom was a bartender and my uncle was behind the bar and he told jokes behind the bar. I just thought that was fascinating. So I could always tell a joke and tell a story, or at least I, I felt comfortable doing that. But I never thought I'd ever be in show business. Meeting Tim Reed totally changed my life. Well, how did y'all meet? Yeah, a JC meeting, Junior Chamber of Commerce. You know, I was working for DuPont and uh, my first meeting, Tom was there proposing a program to go into schools, elementary schools, to talk to kids. I volunteered. 
and the rest is history. How did it evolve into a comedy duo? I was teaching eighth graders the ills of drug abuse with humor, making them laugh, playing records, getting relaxed, and then planting the seeds of the ills of drug abuse. They were integrated schools. They were black and white children. So Tim and I played off of one another, had a lot of fun. And one day, a little eighth grade girl, her name is Vicky Sarufka, she was walking by us on her way out of the classroom and she said, you guys are funny. You ought to become a comedy team. But we went, you know, we start working the Chitlin circuit, black owned, black operated nightclubs. We, we did those kind of clubs and then finally around the country and then finally the Playboy circuit. I'm impressed. You remember this young woman's name who, what, 50 years ago said you should be a comic? How well, do you... She's bumped into us on many occasions and oh, okay. uh, made it clear that she was the one. <laughs> <laughs> she wants a residual, right? <laughs> we tried. That wasn't actually... <laughs> Our first big gig was at 47 in Drexel at a hotel. And um, the Chicago Daily Defender, one of the most well-loved and honored daily newspapers at that time, and the writer <laughs> put an oil review of our act in the Chicago Daily Defender. And he said, Tom and Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> and for literally a few weeks, we debated, should we change our name to Tom and Eddie? <laughs> oh, wow. Remember his name, Earl Calloway. Errol Calloway, I stayed friends with Earl for many years. He passed away a couple of years ago. So obviously you're still friends because, uh, Tom, you're coming to town in a couple of weeks to talk yeah. to talk about your experiences over life and your career. Breakup's probably not the word, but when do you all decide, hey, we're not going to do the team anymore? We got other things to do. We're having a very difficult time. You know, looking back now, we really were naive about what we were attempting to do. When we got in showbiz, we thought, oh, they'll accept this. Well, guess what? Uh, show business did not really accept us the way we thought. And they wow. were very hard on us. And around the five years into it, it was getting very difficult. We were really way before America had the palate to even accept a black guy and a white guy on stage being funny and talking about race. They, it just wouldn't accept it. Well, it's not too late. Y'all could just uh, join up and go for a new reunion tour. Boy, this tour now, we'd have to deal with woke and all that other stuff. Nah. <laughs> and we'd have to carry to guns. Jokes. Yeah. And we'd have to carry guns on stage. <laughs> they saw our act. If, if, if these people out today saw what Tim and I did, we attacked every racial stereotype that white people thought about blacks, that black people thought about whites. That was <laughs> fun on stage. You know, one of the things I'll treasure all my life, I can't tell you how many times after a show, a young black kid would come up and say, you know, I have a white friend I'd like to reach out to, but if I do, the brother's going to wear me out. But after watching you and Tim, I'm going to reach out to him. We were not, again, not preaching. We were just having a lot of fun on stage. You know, and sometimes people got in, uh, angry, were angered by that, and we got attacked and wow. poisoned, and you name it, it would happen. Surprise guest drop in. Hello. Hey, how you doing, Jay? I'm fantastic. So happy to be here. Footnote. Jay Jameson is a Richmonder who's now in Los Angeles on his third season as a writer for the CW hit Superman and Lois. I interviewed him last year, and I'll include a link to that podcast on the webpage for this show. Tom obviously doesn't know who you are, so Tim or Jay, y'all explain how you know each other. Well, I mean, he was just a, a little, little, little kid, wanted to be in show business, wanted to be a filmmaker. And I said, OK, go back to school when you get out of Element, I don't know, was it elementary school? <laughs> so, I feel like, yeah, I feel like I first met you when I was like young, young. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, my most vivid memories were coming to the film camp. Uh, yeah, we, we put on a, a film camp because so many young filmmakers were coming to my studio. I had a studio at that time in Petersburg. 
Footnote. The studio that Tim and his wife Daphne Maxwell-Reed built in Petersburg was called New Millennium Studios. It opened in 1997 and was the only black-owned film studio in America since the 30s. It was closed in 2015. And I put together a reality training program. And anyway, the program uh, was very successful. And people like Jay have gone on and had great careers. We've had several members over the years, over 100 and something young people, the emerging wow. filmmakers. And we still do it. I'm getting ready to do it in, uh, in, in St. Croix down in the Virgin Islands. Oh, cool. And I'll be going to Togo in Africa in November to do it. I just like doing it. I like meeting these young. They have skills. It's just that the reality of show business. And Jay jumped into it, stuck with it, and now look at him. He's, uh, and he's a striking writer. Striking writer. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jay, what do you remember about those good old days? I'm sure you were there for a while. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that for me was so amazing about that camp and that opportunity and meeting, you know, Tim and Daphne at that age was, you know, like growing up in Richmond, you don't view filmmaking as like a viable career and being exposed to people who were filmmakers and and not just that filmmakers of color where it's like, oh, like that is something that I could do. It made it seem like it wasn't you know, impossible. I, I often refer to Tim and Daphne as my filmmaking godparents. <laughs> and, you know, I'm working on a dream show right now where I was able to write for three seasons, direct an episode. And that spark was started in Petersburg, Virginia, like at New Millennium Studios, because I saw someone who did it. Yeah, so I'm immensely grateful. I'm happy to come on here and give uh, Tim his flowers. And every time I've had a project and made the call where it's like, hey, Tim or Devin, hey, can, can y'all come out and, and work a couple days? They've stepped up every every time I've asked. And I, I'm so thankful and grateful uh, for Thank that. You. Thank you. That's Tim. wonderful. The Institute, Legacy Media Institute now is into its, God, I don't know what year, maybe our 14th or 15th year. And it was thanks to Tom the Institute is putting on this show for Tom. We brought him here, and it's a fundraiser for the Institute. For many years, we did a fashion show. We did that over six years in a row. It just got to almost to be too big. And so we, we're going to do a small series of film premieres and things like bringing Tom and people like Tom to do one-man shows. Well, Jay, I want to thank you for jumping in. It was great to see you again. I want to hear more about when you got something to talk about on the podcast. Absolutely. I'll be uh, happy to come back and and chop it up with you. I didn't get a chance to say hello to you. I wish you all the success in the world. And like most people in our business, I'm going to leave you with this. My phone number is 818. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, I'll definitely get it. I'll get it if you're out here in LA. I would love to, I'd love to catch up and, and chop I'm in it up. LA. Are you in LA, Jay? I'm in LA, yeah. I'm, I'm I, right I, I try out new material every weekend at the Laugh Factory at the Comedy Store. I'll make sure Tim gives you my number and call me if you want to come some weekend. I'll get you a VIP then. And that would be fantastic. I would love to. Thank you, Jay. Bye-bye. All righty. Bye. Tim, you've done lots of movies and TV shows. Most famously, of course, that's Venus Flytrap on WKRP in Cincinnati. Do you still get recognized? Yeah, amazingly, yeah. Uh, a lot of times more so now traveling because uh, these shows, you know, they're like evergreen. They run all over the world. The, the craziest was I was in Ethiopia a few years back. And we're on this mountain to shoot down on a beautiful church in Alalabella. And a little kid came out of a hut, a real mud hut. And he walked out and he was wiping his eyes. And the only thing he had on was a Mickey Mouse T-shirt. And he walked out and he looked at me and I looked down at him and the sun was breaking. And I'm in Africa. And I thought, man, I feel like Jungle Jim. I mean, I feel like <laughs> I'm not. And he looked at me. He said, sister, sister. 
And I went, what? He said, sister, sister. I went, yeah, how do you recognize me? And he, they had the only television they would put on in the village was at a, a general store at night for about electricity would come on with a generator for about two hours each night during the week. They'd put it on. All the kids in the village would come and sit around on the ground and watch television. Wow. And they had just started showing Sister, Sister. Footnote. Sister, Sister was a TV comedy about two identical twins separated at birth, and Tim played one of the fathers. It ran from 1994 to 1999. I mean, five hours by plane from the nearest city. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. Tom, do you still get recognized from all those years you were on TV? What's interesting, I did 500 appearances on national television, 61 Tonight Shows. I did over 50 on David Letterman. I hosted Letterman Show. I, I toured with Smokey Robinson, Natalie Cole, Gladys Knight and the Pips, Mac Davis, Frankie Avalon, James Darren, uh, on and on and on. And 14, and Sammy Davis Jr., I toured for three years, and 14 years with Frank Sinatra as his opening act. This is what people say to me when they, they'll say, you Tom Dreesen? I say, yeah. They say, was Frank Sinatra in the mafia? <laughs> <laughs> That's all they wanted to know, huh? <laughs> By the way, sometimes I, every now and then, I'll get recognized from WKRP because I did one episode. Oh, where wow. Yes. I was a reporter from an all-black magazine, and Tim, of course, was the only black guy in an all-white radio station. And it was a funny, funny bit. But, yeah, it was. But uh, so, I, I have to tell you there are people back in Chicago, I'll go back there, where Tim and I started out, and there were people way up in years now that say, you came to our high school. Uh, you, right. And, and they, they remember Tim and I coming there and performing there. Wow. Obviously, you, we've bandied around Daphne's name a few times, but uh, she's not on the call. Footnote. Daphne Maxwell-Reed has also had an illustrious career as an actor, most famously as Vivian Banks on the NBC sitcom Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. But you had an interesting meeting. Where did y'all first meet, Tim? Again, uh, the universe works strangely, that's for sure. We met working, uh, when I was doing those odd little commercials and stuff, we worked on a commercial. I will never forget it. It was for Sears. And uh, was at the airport, Midway Airport. And she was working on it. I didn't know her. She didn't know me. Later on, we met somewhere else and we just talked. We were both married to other people and uh, was just friends. And she invited me to a party or something at, at that. And that was it. And I didn't see her again for many years. And uh, we bumped into each other um, through a mutual friend, put us together. And we've been together ever since. Great. But uh, you did. Oh, and by the way, we didn't find out that we were in that commercial a strange uh, situation because that's the day the plane crashed at Midway. Uh, Midway. We were waiting for that particular plane. Oh, wow. We had shot all the interior stuff. We were going to shoot exterior of us getting off a plane. And that plane was the one that they had designated when it lands, it's going to stay there. So we we're going to actors going to come out and, and go on and come down. Well, that plane crashed. And that's the plane that broke the Watergate because um, uh, Mitchell's uh, wife was on the plane bringing, I think, $40,000 to somebody. But that, that's the plane. Wow. Crash. That's cool. And then, and of course, you're married. And then why did you decide to move back to Petersburg and open New Millennium Studios? Well, that's a long story. I had done a couple shows that I was very proud of. Frank's Place we got nominated for nine Emmys. Right. Won three. Footnote. Frank's Place was a sitcom on CBS in the late 80s, and Tim starred as Frank. The negative energy around the business at that time uh, was getting really getting to me. And um, I, I told her, I said, I think this show is going to buy the farm. And we moved back to Virginia just to get away from the business. I quit the business 
for okay. literally three years. I sold my Mercedes and bought a John Deere tractor. I became a, gen <laughs> a gentleman farmer in Charlottesville and loved it. We stayed there for about 15, 16 years until one day my business manager called me and he said, um, you like your farm? And I said, I love the farm. It saved my life. He said, you really do. You want to keep it? I'm going, yeah. He said, well, you better get your butt out here and get back to work. Oh. <laughs> and so I went back, did sister, sister, and took the money from that and decided to build a studio. Tom, let's pivot to you a minute. Now, I know, of course, you've just listed all those appearances and all that stuff. What was the biggest surprise working on all these talk shows? You know, I, there, were, there was no surprises. In 1975, wherever you went in America, people say, what do you do for a living? You say, I'm a stand-up comedian. The next question out of their mouth was, oh, yeah, have you ever been on Johnny Carson? If you hadn't been on Johnny Carson in the eyes of America, you just weren't a comedian. You might want to be one. You might going to be one. But his show launched like no other show. 28 million people watched that show. You know, I got bumped three times when I finally got on. And Fred DeCordova, the producer, came in makeup and he said, I got bad news for you. I said, what? He said, you're going on tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you get a lump in your throat about the size of a grapefruit. You're behind that curtain and 28 million people watch that show. But not only that, all the Vegas buyers, managers, agents, Everybody watched that show, and my mom had everybody back in Harvey, Illinois, watching. So if I bomb, I couldn't even go back home. Uh, but Johnny Carson said the nicest thing before he brought me out. He said, "We're back now." When he came back from commercial break, you know, he said, "We're back now," and I'm glad you're in such a good mood tonight because my next guest is making his first appearance on the Tonight Show. That one line, "I'm glad you're in such a good mood tonight," and he only did it your first time. He didn't do it after that, and then go out there and you walk out. They open up the curtain and you walk out and you hit that mark and all the bright lights and I can't see the audience. I'm used to seeing audiences, you know, and, and I'm talking to a camera and, uh, and I got the first joke out and I got to laugh. I got the second joke and I got the third joke and I hear Johnny and Ed McMahon laughing behind me. Oh, wow. And now I got on a roll and, and I got like eight applause and finally, and they, they, when I got done, I closed with, I said, you've been a marvelous audience. Show business is a tough life. This is my first appearance on the Tonight Show. So if you like me, just if you like me and you're Protestant, say a prayer. If you're Catholic, light a candle. If you're Jewish, somebody in your family owns a nightclub. Tell them about me. We have <laughs> <laughs> and I you go know, back. I, I got to add something to that because for anybody who's thinking about their dreams and sticking with them, epitomize sticking with our dreams. Those are very difficult times for both of us. Tom, believe it or not, was sleeping in a car. Oh, wow. And I hadn't worked in almost a year. Uh, and we were split at that time. I'm watching him that night. I knew he was going on. I hadn't seen him for a while. And I was with someone, and she was certainly in my corner. So when he uh, performed, when I say performed, as they say in our business, he killed. Right. He was very funny. And when it was over, now remember, I'm this is we're split now, and I'm going, holy, I knew his life was going to change as it did. So when it finished, she looked at me and I said, he was incredible. She said, oh, he wasn't that funny. I go, shut up. He was that funny. <laughs> and the rest is history. He took off and and uh, our careers went in different ways. Do you remember that first joke that you told, Tom? I did something about how the stagehands were so friendly and then, hey, do a good show. And they hit me on the rear end and how football players do that all the time. Hit, hit me on the rear end. And, 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 you know, what if everybody did that? I can't remember. You know, like, you're, you know, you had a picnic. Gee, Grandma, great potato salad. And then you hit her. <laughs> I was something <laughs> like that. But, I, but you know, but I, Tim, in our book, Tim tells that story that he just told you. And he says, that the next day he packed up his things and he left, went down the hill and went seriously into our business, into acting where he yeah. excelled. But he said something profound. He said, Tom's biggest break 
turned out to be my biggest break too because it opened me up so other than playing richmond which i have to assume you have somewhere in your career have you ever visited richmond tom is this going to be your first i performed with frank sinatra and a very dramatic thing happened he collapsed that night in that arena in richmond i remember hearing about that yeah i was in the wings he was in the middle of my way and it was so warm in there you know he stays out all night and he had catnap during the day and all he had was a cup of coffee and went over to do the show so he dehydrated although it looked like he had a heart attack there was he was singing my way there was one more song to go which would be new york new york he always ended on a, a tune and he was in the middle of my way and i was in the wings and he went down boom wow. you know and i oh i ran out on the stage and 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 i'm not a paramedic or anything but i i noticed his lips weren't blue so i i think it can't be a heart attack maybe but Meanwhile, a doctor ran from the audience up onto the stage. And before you know it, they closed the curtain. And then the rest is history. We went to the hospital. Some real funny stories came out of that. that, that I'll save, probably... save it for the show. Don't tell me. <laughs> That's what I was getting ready to say. I was just, just going to ask. I actually did listen to your Mark Maron. I happened to see that you were on there. And I said, oh, I should check this out. And you did tell that one story about Sinatra that I won't ask you to share again because I want people to come see the show. I won't tell that story about Sinatra saving Johnny Carson's life. Uh, yeah, that was probably a little too much. Yeah, that was. You can't tell that, but, but it, it really happened. It was really, yeah, yeah. really scary. You know? It's I a great, it was... it's a great story. So, Tom, how long are you going to be touring this? I've, I've been doing this show for years. I, I used to call it an evening of laughter and memories of Sinatra. Now it's called the man who made Sinatra laugh. I do stand up comedy. Right. I go to a bar on the stage and I tell a funny story. There's a bottle of Jack Daniels on the, on the bar, and then I, I tell a funny story. And, and when the audience is laughing. The lights go off on me and on the screen, Frank's singing to me that like I'm a bartender. It's quarter to three. There's no one in the place except me. And then he goes off screen. And now I'm in a, I'm home. I'm in a bar and the audience is in a bar with me. And I tell him the first time I heard that voice, I was 10 years old, shining shoes in a bar in Harvey, Illinois. Then I take the audience from that little boy hearing Sinatra on the jukebox in Harvey, Illinois, to one day carrying his coffin out of a church in Beverly Hills, California. Wow. So I take him on that journey. And that part of that journey is Tim and Tom. And I talk about Tim and I, and I talk about how we got together and what America was like in those times. And uh, wow. it's a very it's it's not only a very funny show, but it's also a very emotional show. I mean, people go through a, a few a few ranges of emotions uh, listening uh-huh. to it because he's one of the few people who can tell stories about Sinatra that uh, only he and Sinatra know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the so, way, make sure Tim, you keep him well hydrated. We don't yeah, want him passing out. <laughs> passing out here it isn't all about frank it's it's the journey my journey through life and and, and tim played a major part in that i mean the interesting thing about racism in those days if there was a black guy in the audience who hated white people hated him with a passion he wasn't mad at me he was mad at tim for being with me Ah, if there was a white guy a redneck who hated black people he wasn't mad at him he was mad at me for being with tim (laughs) so we had to put up with that Element. A lot of people love what we did, and, and, yeah, and to yeah. say tell us that. Yeah. But there was always that one element. There's a certain amount of people that just don't want us to get along because they can't prosper if we get along. The more you keep us fighting among ourselves, the more you keep telling them that they hate you and you hate them, the more they thrive. And Tim and I were a threat to that because yeah. we were on stage having a whole lot of fun. And people could see that we're having a whole lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. So, Tim, what have you got next on your agenda after this show? Have you got any other uh, projects? Or I, I finished uh, a few months ago directing a movie. I'm going to premiere it here, actually, probably in September, which will be coming on a Hulu. I directed that. I am spending a little time in the Caribbean. 
uh, working on a project, uh, starting a little business down there. That sounds and, rough down there in the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> doing these two months, it is because of, of the threat of hurricanes. That's uh, true. But uh, we're doing a lot of stuff, and we're also keeping the Legacy Media Institute going. I still go around the world and, and do training with emerging filmmakers, especially in, in countries that young people are beginning to get the breaks. You know, there's so much happening now with this new media. Right, but right. You still have to have skills. I mean, everything can't be done with an app. It requires some human involvement for a story to be well told. Yeah. And so uh, I've been working with young filmmakers. So one question I always like to ask everybody, when you're not working on stage or working in the sound stage, what are you watching? I'm watching a series that was taken off of the first episodes that were taken off of Netflix because of its political, not political, its religious power. Uh, it's about the rise of the, the Turks, the Turkish Empire, and taking over Constantinople. It is an incredible series. I have to watch it on the internet in London because it's the only place that allows it to have English subtitles. And I, I don't speak Turkish. I've been to Turkey and Istanbul, but I don't speak the language. Do you know what it's called? Uh, it's called Osman. The okay. first uh, series that was was on uh, Netflix until a lot of people went after the uh, Netflix and made them take it down was called Ertical, uh, Rise of Ertical Resurrection. That brought me into it. Now, the second part of this this series is about the son who's now in, is going to be the one that conquers uh, Constantinople. But history, that's the one thing about entertainment, whether it's stand up or whatever, it opens your mind if you're lucky. It makes you think beyond what you've been told. And so this series is a is an eye opener. I mean, it's a major major wow. production out of I have Turkey. To get, I have to get a link on that, Tom. You get a chance to watch stuff. I watch Andy of Mayberry. I'm not that deep, <laughs> <laughs> and you're not that old either, huh? <laughs> well, gentlemen, I want to thank you both. I've got tickets to the show. I'm coming to see it. And actually, Tim, you might appreciate this. And actually, Tom, you'll appreciate this too. We wanted to bring some people with us, so we're bringing Scotty Witchman and Eva Divergilis. Do you know mm. Scotty and Eva? Oh, wait a minute. Uh, Scott, is he, he's the one that does, doesn't yeah. he? And oh, he does this wonderful Frank Sinatra tribute called Let Me Be Frank. And so we're bringing them. I don't know if he'll get to yeah. meet you, but... I met, I met him at a forum um, when he was... Yeah, uh, he interviewed John Lithgow. Let me translate what he just said. That Scotty's coming down and going to have a whole lot of material when he leaves that room. <laughs> <laughs> well, good point. Good point. Well, well, it'll be interesting to see how he adjusted that. Well, I want to thank you both, Tim and Tom. This has been delightful and a lot of fun, and I will look forward to seeing y'all on July 15th. All right. Thank you. Thank you for uh, letting us talk about it. Come backstage and say hello. I'll try to do that. Thank you so much. That was Tim Reed, who most Richmonders will know from he and his wife's longtime presence in our production community. The other guest was Tom Dreesen, who's coming to town on July 15th with his comedy stand-up, The Man Who Made Sinatra Laugh. There's a link to the book about their comedy duo, Tim and Tom, An American Comedy in Black and White, as well as a link to get tickets for Tom's show on the webpage for the show at tvjerry.com. Coming soon. In theaters. Joyride. A buddy comedy with four Asian-American friends who travel to China to help one of them find their mother. Insidious, The Red Door, the latest in this thriller series with Rose Byrne and Patrick Wilson. Biosphere, Sterling K. Brown and Mark Duplass play the last two men on Earth living in that titular space. The Lesson, a young writer takes a tutoring position at the estate of a famous author, played by Richard E. Grant. Our Deadly Vows. Chris Chalk wrote, directed, and stars as part of a couple who are moving to Spain, but not before a farewell party turns deadly. 
TV and streaming. Survival of the Thickest on Netflix. Comic Michelle Buteau plays a plus-size woman who tries to reboot her life after a breakup, based on her memoir. Full Circle on Max. From Steven Soderbergh comes this mystery series with international secrets, starring Claire Danes, Timothy Oliphant, and Dennis Quaid. The Outlaws on Netflix. Ellen Barkin and Pierce Brosnan star as bank robbers who attend their daughter's wedding while the groom's bank gets robbed. V.C. Andrews' Dawn on Lifetime, a four-part series based on the popular author's book, starring Fran Drescher and Donna Mills. Wham! on Netflix, a documentary about the popular 80s duo. My Adventures with Superman on Adult Swim and then Max is an animated adventure with Jack Quaid voicing Clark Kent. The Horror of Dolores Roach on Amazon Prime. When Dolores gets out of jail, she tries to start a massage business, but things go horrible. Next week, I'll be interviewing Reggie Rock Blythewood, the creator of the Apple TV hit Swagger, which was shot in Richmond and just entered its second season. And it also features Tom and Daphne in supporting roles. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. See you next week. For more Sister, including literally thousands Thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.